Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. I should get more excited. Welcome uh, to the most prestigious end of year podcast ever in 2023. Uh, we're going to finish with a bang. I want to yell bang, uh, but I got to remember in recording a podcast, some people, you might be wearing headphones, so I won't yell bang. Uh, but we're, we're ending with a bang in 2023, uh, quite literally. UFC end of year performance highlights. Uh, this is essentially not just a sports report, UFC awards, except this platform not big enough for awards. Uh, there's already so many awards out there. And I think there could be less awards. Like, yeah, if I was to call this the not just a sports report award, and I said to like a fighter, you know, congratulations, you're the, you win the award for fighter of the year. Like, if I gave them a trophy, would they even keep it? at their home. Probably not. So uh, we're just calling them really categories and performance highlights. Uh, now, over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report, after each UFC event, I uh, will post performance highlights, the talking point from the night, uh, the highlights, like the finishes, performances of the night, our fight of the night, which right now, because uh, the concept of this is that it's voted on by listeners of the podcast and followers of the Instagram page, there's one poll still running, fight of the year, and there are two fights neck and neck with one hour to go in the poll. So fight of the year still very much to be decided. If it ends in a draw, I'm going to sit down and watch both fights. I won't record that process, but I'll do a little before and after and I'll have to I'll have to be the tiebreaker. So yes, performance highlights, it's not just me. It's not just my opinions. Uh, I formulated the categories and put them together on polls on the Instagram story. Uh, and yeah, people who voted, like maybe you didn't vote, maybe you did, uh, but people did. We have our results except fight of the year, uh, which is still, let me have a look at the live voting. Uh, and this is not an award show, like I said, so don't expect anything fancy. In fact, I might even uh, have a little sus and try and find some royalty-free award music just so we can really have some fun here. Let me just check the Instagram poll. Oh my gosh, addicted to Instagram. Uh, okay. Knockout of the year as well. Still an hour left to run. The person who is leading, 50%, but there's someone just behind them on 38% who could catch them. Uh, we've got MMA Personality of the Year, Fight of the Year, still drawn. There were three contenders that got voted in to the final three. 25%, 38%, 38%, 38%. One hour to go. So, yes, I'm going to have a quick blueberry. Sorry if you can hear this. Sorry for that. It was in my hand. I was like, I should just eat this. 
Uh, but yeah, fighter of the year, female fighter of the year, gym coach of the year, moment of the year. There's a whole heap of shit. I'm going to try and make this fairly quick. It's not going to be too long. We're going to try and have a bit of fun, end the year with a bang. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, and we're going to get into it straight away with the fighter of the year. I just want to see if I can find some royalty-free music. Timer. Timer. Um, I guess it's time for fighter of the year. That's what my phone's trying to tell me. Uh, I forgot why I set that timer. No, hasn't come to me. Okay, royalty-free music, sorry. I thought, you know, it's the intro. I could put some music in and just get straight into it, but like I said, this is not your average. No Russian royalty-free music. That is quite... That's quite, um, quite disappointing because the fighter of the year is Russian. Spoiler alert. Fuck. Struggle Town. Why is it all? Okay, I'm getting rid of the royalty free. I'm getting, it's, this is going to be royalty free though. Don't take this down. Oh, fuck. This is a disaster. All right, let's see what this is. Does it sound like award music to you? Not really. I think we're gonna we're gonna abandon the music. Fighter of the year, uh, Islam Makashev. Sorry about that fucking intro. Islam Makashev, fighter of the year. Uh, he just edged out Sean Strickland on the polls. Another one who made it to the final four, Alex Pereira. Uh, but as voted on by not just the Sports Report listeners and followers. We have Islam Makashev, who now, with the injury to John Jones, the best pound-for-pound fighter active in the world right now, uh, is the Russian. Now, when you consider kind of the narrative, the storyline, how he's followed in Habib Nurmagomedov's footsteps, big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. Not that it's his job to fill them, uh, but to go straight after Nurmagomedov. Then Oliveira had that crazy run. It was Islam who put an end to it. He comes into this year up against Alex Volkanovsky in Perth. I'll talk a bit about that throughout this podcast. Now that fight wasn't what a lot of people expected. Volk pushed Islam like nobody had before. But Islam, he went to Australia, enemy territory. He got that first defense of the belt. Then later in the year, he's lined up to face Charles Oliveira who'd finished Benil Dariush. Charles has to pull out of the fight. Of course, one of the craziest moments of this year, Alexander Volkanovsky steps in on seven days' notice. Was it seven? Was it ten? I fucking can't remember, but he stepped in in a big way. Islam, first round, head kick, finish, knockout. I said that was an incredible feature. Islam, he only had the wins, or only, he had the two wins over Volkanovski throughout the year. Uh, and whilst a guy like Strickland had an extra fight or so, uh, it was the way Markashev went about it. And when you consider Volkanovski and his body of work throughout his career, and even in 2023, with that massive win and the finish over Yair Rodriguez, I mean, to get the two wins over Volkanovski and to finish the second the way he did, Islam Markashev... Massive year, uh, and in your view, as the voter, 
he was the fighter of the year. So Islam Makashev, I think credit very well due. Uh, now a guy like Sean Strickland had an amazing year as well. But I think in Islam's case, you know, going into this year, yes, he was the champion, uh, but I don't know, it's strange. There's like two sides of the MMA community. You've got fans who just genuinely love the sport, and then you've got the fucking comment sections. Uh, and because of the Connor Khabib Nurmagomedov rivalry, like there are, you know, there's Islam haters and doubters. There's haters of everything in the comment section. Uh, but there were still questions of Islam. There were obviously somewhat unfair comparisons to Nurmagomedov. Islam comes into this year. Not only uh, does he show the wrestling up against Volkanovski, where Volkanovski really fought back in that first offering, but I think what stood out the most, uh, and what really we never quite saw from Khabib Nurmagomedov, striking at the highest level. Now, lightweight division has some of the best strikers in the world. That may be the dangerous or most dangerous division. Now, heavyweight up there as well, but lightweight, so technical. You've got guys like Fazeev, Poirier, fucking Jalen Turner, who just has this unreal frame. Benoit Saint-Denis, Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. The list goes on. Armin Sarukian. Uh, so you think about all these finishes throughout the division. Islam, we know he has that ground game. But what he showed in that Volkanovski fight, he did to Alexander the Great what no one in the UFC has been able to do. Not Jose Aldo, not Brian Ortega, not Yaya Rodriguez, Korean Zombie, Max Holloway times three. Islam Makashev comes out, does that to Volkanovski. Yes, there was the short notice element, uh, but I have nothing but respect for what Islam was able to do. Even as a Kiwi slash Australian who 100% on Team Volk, uh, I still have nothing but respect for Islam Makashev. It's not like he goes around, you know, it's not like he was talking shit about Volkanovski's dad in the lead up. They're just, they were scheduled to fight Volkanovski. Is just a fucking champion, a legend. Like, how can you not love him regardless of where you live? Uh, but Islam, like, fuck, you have to respect it. Being a fan of Volkanovski and just loving his work so much, how can you not be forced to pay respect with that head kick knockout? Uh, so massive year for Islam Makashev, who really, you know, he was huge. Superstardom, you know, in Russia, Dagestan, and just, you know, in a certain part of the world, not the Western world is the best way I can describe it, Islam already a megastar. I think in 2023, his stocks boosted dramatically. Now worldwide, Australia, fucking New Zealand, America, Canada, Brazil, no matter where Islam goes now, he is one of the biggest stars in the world. Number one pound for pound fighter of the year. Boom, bam. So... Congratulations to him. I am sure he would be so honoured. Uh, I'm sad about the music. The music was a real fuck up. I was hoping for some Russian music. But we'll just move on to the female fighter of the year. A fighter who I am a massive fan of. In the flyweight division, 
Is she the champion? No. Erin cold-blooded Blanchfield beating out Alexa Grasso in the vote for Women's Fighter of the Year. Erin cold-blooded Blanchfield. Uh, now, the moment she arrived in the UFC, I took notice uh, as someone who does weekly podcasts, also puts my money on fights. And Blanchfield in 2023 just went on with the job. Starts the year with an emphatic submission over Jessica Andrade and then ends up beating Talia Santos by decision. Strangely, Talia Santos, who was another flyweight I'm a huge fan of, cut by the UFC. Now, that was really fucking rogue to me. So Blanchfield, back-to-back wins, Andrade, Talia Santos. She is undefeated throughout her UFC run with wins over Sarah Elpar, Miranda Maverick, a submission over JJ Aldrich, a huge submission over Meatball Molly, uh, and then the two wins this year. Now, Alexa Grasso had a huge year. She would have been my vote. Uh, but Blanchfield, look, in the match against Manon Fior coming up, I've been watching most closely Blanchfield and Fior. And so I think whoever wins that goes on to win the title. But then I look at the champion, Alexa Grasso, who's done nothing wrong. All she's done is win since moving up to flyweight. She's won me money, and she is the ultimate champion who cannot be slept on. Uh, but it's very exciting at the moment. The vote, though, Aaron, cold-blooded Blanchfield. And it's not the only category for 2023 that Blanchfield picked up. The voters, well, look, I'm with the voters. I think a lot of us like Aaron Blanchfield a lot. She's very young. Uh, Looks like a future champion, for sure. And she was also voted by the followers as the rising star for 2023. That is both male and female fighters. Rising star, essentially a young fighter uh, that has potential to go on to win the championship. Uh, Another, what's the word, fucking nominee, I guess. Mohamed Mikhaev was one who was up for voting. I think Mike Malott was another. Can't remember the other. Oh, Tatsuru Taira. He was the other. Blanchfield got the vote there. So not only did she win the Rising Star, uh, which is essentially a young fighter who looks like they're going to be a future champion probably in the next year or two. Not only did she get Rising Star, she also outright won Female Fighter of the Year. Uh, So only two fights, but a massive leap forward toward her championship aspirations. Erin Coldblooded Blanchfield, 2023 Fighter of the Year, and 2023 Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star. Up next is a category, well, you're just simply not going to find this anywhere else, but Not Just a Sports Report. Take that, ESPN. Uh, what is it? Fuck, I've derailed myself a lot in the first 15 minutes. Homegrown hero. If you can't tell by my accent, this podcast, based in Australia, my home, New Zealand, that's where I'm from. Uh, So homegrown hero. I look, most of not just a sports report content is open to the world. Uh, But I do a lot of rugby league, which is predominantly Australia, New Zealand. Uh, UFC, one more so, where there's a following from people all around the globe. Some really 
interesting people I've gotten in touch with uh, from different countries. Someone from Suriname, uh, which, I yeah, that's the only person I know other than Jasunio Rosenstrike from Suriname. Suriname, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, there's people all around the globe. But this one, given that there is a following uh, in Australia and New Zealand, the homegrown hero, uh, now this may not be your hero from your hometown, but Australian Kiwi fighters, uh, that's what this category is. And the homegrown hero for 2023, beating out Jack Dallam, ah, uh, fucking gee whiz. I am actually cooked, I feel like. I'm not even cooked, but I feel like I'm cooked. Uh, beating out Jack Della Maddalena, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky voted as the homegrown hero for 2023. Uh, I think that is extremely fair. Like I said, being based in Australia, Volk has transcended just mixed martial arts. He is genuinely uh, an Australian hero, one of many sporting figures uh, that just the whole country is behind. And the same goes for us Kiwis. We fucking love Volk as well. Uh, so he is so adored by the community. And it's not just the love that he gets from fans. It's obviously the body of work that he's put in. Uh, beating guys like Jose Eldo, of course, Max Holloway three times. Uh, but going into this one, or this year rather, this huge fight with Islam Makarshev. UFC returns to Australia in Perth. Volk headlines the show and gives everybody their money's worth. That is what it's all about as far as a homegrown hero. Uh, so he got the vote there. Of course, he gets a finish over Yaya Rodriguez International Fight Week in Las Vegas. Then the head kick knockout, the first round loss. Uh, but I think this shows just how respected and loved Volkanovsky is taking out the homegrown hero because even in defeat there was no love lost everyone still loves him the same if not more now that we've seen him vulnerable uh, and seen him you know in a down I can't say down patch because it was one fight uh, but you know just to see the man down after never losing in the UFC and then to lose like that uh, and lose twice this year to Islam Makarshev. That being up at lightweight, obviously Volkanovski still the man at 145 pounds and a juicy matchup with Ilya Tapuria just around the corner. Uh, but Alex Volkanovski, for sure, he's the homegrown hero, really captured the nation's attention this year, um, more so than just the MMA fan base, because the MMA fan base have known for a long time uh, with Volkanovski, how amazing he is. But this year, uh, I think that series with Mikashev really boosted Volkanovski to the next level. In fact, I think the evidence of that is that Volkanovski, huge bump up in contract pay. Uh, so his stock's higher than ever, despite coming off a knockout loss. And he is my hero, and according to the votes, your hero as well. Alexander, the great, and still most definitely the great, Volkanovsky. Don't forget, he is still the featherweight champion. The man is not done by any means. And we see plenty of fighters who would say, I need X amount of time off. I need to recover. I need to do this. I need to do that. Volkanovsky says, 
I'm going to take on the most dangerous guy possible. At least I believe right now the most dangerous possible matchup at featherweight for Alexander Volkanovsky is the undefeated Ilya Tapuria. What does Volkanovsky say? I'm ready. I'm already, he's already, you know, focused on that next challenge. So with the storyline going into that fight, obviously a lot of the talk, you know, the recency of Volkanovsky getting knocked out the way he did. Ilya Tapuria, undefeated, it just seems so well-rounded in every area. Unbelievable knockout power. He's shown that he can submit guys. He can deal with awkward styles like Ryan Hall. He busted up Josh Emmett. Fucking, he would have had to kill Josh Emmett to have finished him that night. Josh Emmett's so tough. And we saw what Emmett did to Bryce Mitchell. So Ilya Tapuria, unbelievably dangerous. This speaks credit to why Volk is such a champion. He is the definition of a champion. He doesn't back away from the challenges. No excuses. He is already ready to go, getting ready for the next. So homegrown hero, 2023, Alexander Volkanovsky. Then we have the UFC moment of the year. Uh, I won't go through the nominations because there were quite a few. Moment of the year, Israel Adesanya's knockout over Alex Pereira. And I think a big reason for this winning was because of the celebration, the fucking archery celebration. We, of course, know uh, Pereira does the same thing when he walks out. And I think it was the history between these two uh, that is what made this the moment of the year. Uh, and I'll get to where I watched it in a second. It's not really about that, but uh, kind of a silly story. I also picked in my preview podcast, Is He to Win by Knockout? Uh, so, yeah, get around myself. It's 31st of December. Why not give myself some credit on the last day of the year? But Adesanya, or Adesanya, the history. At this point, he's only lost a five-round decision up against Jan Blachowicz. His kickboxing rival, who had two wins over him, a decision and a knockout, which nobody had knocked Adesanya out. We see him get fast-tracked to the title, although not just fast-tracked, he's fucking guys up, including Sean Strickland. They meet the first time, Pereira does it again. He finishes Izzy 3-0 over Adesanya. And so the lead-up going into their fight this year, I mean, it, it was just epic. It was mind-blowing. You get to the actual fight, Izzy knocks him out. Stone Cold knocks him out as well. Does to Pereira what Pereira is known for doing to his opponents. Uh, and just, yeah, 3-1. And it was at this point where if Pereira had won, I mean, it's pretty much in the history books. He's 4-0 over Adesanya, who nobody had Izzy's number. Uh, so the storyline going into it, and even though, uh, like, obviously... Like I said, I'm a Kiwi from New Zealand. So I love Israel Adesanya. I'm happy to just accept him. He's a unique individual and he's, he's Israel Adesanya. There's only one of him. So a lot of people don't like him. They'll say he's cringe, some of the things he says. And I can understand where people are coming from. Uh, but I, what I like about him is that he is just himself. He's an individual dude. He's not trying to be like, you know, 
I'm the fucking baddest guy on the planet. I'm going to fucking kill everyone in the cage. Like, he's just, he's being himself. And more often than not, other than the Strickland fight, really, uh, and probably Cannoneer fight, uh, he puts on a big show. He definitely did on this occasion. So moment of the year, Israel Adesanya's knockout over Alex Pereira. Next up, the votes for gym and coach of the year. These are kind of linked, so I'll reveal them at the same time. Uh, Honorable mention to second place in gym of the year, uh, American top team. Phenomenal year on all fronts for them. Uh, But as voted by followers and listeners, gym of the year, Extreme Couture, head coach, Eric Nixick. And this, this isn't an overnight success. This is not the first time Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick, I have been regarded as the absolute top tier in the world when it comes to gym and coaching. Uh, But once again, they retain that status. In fact, they even boost uh, their stocks. Now, there are so many fighters within the UFC uh, and other promotions that train at Extreme Couture. Obviously, the notable one is Sean Strickland, most definitely. Uh, And I think one of the reasons Eric Nixick, coach of the year, Look, he coached so many times with other fighters that we probably won't talk about in these end-of-year things. Uh, But the Strickland one is a standout for sure. One thing I noticed with Adesanya is it seemed to be when there was an opposition, like a really good gym and coach and fighter that could put together a game plan, that's when Izzy would kind of struggle. I found that with Cannoneer MMA Lab John Crouch. And so Izzy wasn't really able to show off like he said he was going to in that fight. Uh, And it was the same case here. It was the fighter, Sean Strickland, who applied everything we know him for, just standing in the pocket and fucking basically, you know, just fighting. A really good grappler, can wrestle, always chooses to go for the stand-up. Did the same against Israel Adesanya. Now, Strickland could be forgiven, and many people thought, what he would do after that Alex Pereira knockout loss is try and implement the grappling, try and get Izzy to the ground. He didn't do that. He stuck to the game plan. Eric Nixick in the corner throughout that fight. Like it was just the perfect combination of coach and fighter. Strickland goes on to win the title. Uh, Now, obviously, the accountability and most of that Praise goes to Sean Strickland, but it would be remiss to not mention Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick, Coach of the Year, Gym of the Year. Uh, This is not the first time either. Now, obviously, there's the Francis Ngannou uh, Association as well. Now, he mainly was on that boxing side quest, and I know Eric Nixick was involved, but I believe Dewey Cooper and a couple of other guys were handling a lot of the boxing side. Uh, But yeah, they've still got Francis on the books and so many other fighters. So Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick, uh, they are right up there in the top tier for gym, coach in the world. And that is why they are the gym and coach of the year. One more time, Extreme Couture and Eric Nixick. Also, just circling back uh, to where I was when Adesanya knocked out Pereira, I was at work and I was like, fuck, I I need to watch this fight. So I got it up 
on my phone exactly at the moment when a Destiny knocked him out. Like, it was just perfectly timed. Like, usually it's the opposite, and you miss the crucial moment. Um, but, yeah, I was at work, and I was like, fuck, I don't want to miss anything big. And then, yeah, got to see the knockout. Uh, but next up, speaking of knockouts, knockout of the year. Like I said, very close in the polls. Uh, 50% Justin Gaethje. 38% runner-up who delivered a knockout on the final card of the year, Josh Emmett. Uh, but knockout of the year, as voted by all of you, Justin Gaethje in the BMF title might. Might? I have fucking lost the plot today. Last day of the year. Uh, in the title fight, BMF, the most prestigious title in the UFC. Uh, now, the head kick knockout took place at the same venue where Leon Edwards just the year before, had knocked out Kamaru Usman. Uh, so it was crazy on that front to do that to Dustin Poirier, who'd finished them, or finished Justin, uh, the first time they'd met. The circumstances around it, with implications for a title shot in the lightweight division. Main event status, Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, head kick knockout, an emphatic one, and just the way it went down. Uh, I think knockout of the year... Like, when I was running the polls, I said the main thing for a lot of these is that it's up to your interpretation. Is knockout of the year, like, just the best fucking knockout? One that could have been in the prelims uh, on an Apex card? Or does it have to have some stakes? You know, the best knockouts, the ones in those real big fights. Maybe not main event, uh, but main card. And fight cards with crowds, things like that. And now there are definitely exceptions when a Joaquin Buckley uh, knocks out an Impa Kasanye in the apex. There are certain knockouts uh, that get the honours, but I ran a poll from 16 all the way down to a final four, and the winner out of all the epic knockouts listed, Justin Gaethje, uh, who now has the BMF belt. That is not the belt that he so desires, though. And Conor McGregor supposedly dropping an announcement tomorrow on New Year's Day. Uh, or I guess different time zones. I don't know when New Year's Day is exactly in Ireland. I know it's on the 1st of January. Um, but yeah, apparently McGregor dropping his next opponent and fight. I hope it's Chandler, but that's a, another conversation for another day. I'm a massive Michael Chandler fight. Fight? Fucking hell. <laughs> Fan. Last day of the year. Uh, but I think if they go Charles Islam, there's a very, very real chance they go Gaethje, McGregor, maybe even UFC 300. Um, and on the flip side of that, if Gaethje gets the next title shot, I will not complain, although I want to see Chandler get the fight. I would not complain. If they went Charles Oliveira, Conor McGregor. But yeah, I think with where Conor's at in his career and some of his behavior on Instagram, like sitting poolside at a resort somewhere where there are families just trying to enjoy their holiday. And he's got a JBL speaker, like blasting music. And 
I'm not a judgmental person and I don't know Connor, I haven't met him. But one thing I have done is party a lot and see the many different sides of partying and seeing, you know, when someone looks high, whether that, and it might not be on alcohol or drugs, you know, he might just be high on life because he's made it and he's come from nothing and he has so much fucking money now and he's living it up and he's got the black forge. So he could very well just be high on life, but the man seems to be buzzing. And at this point, like he loves to fight. He loves to compete. That's the why of why he would come back. But yeah, no fighter in the UFC has this much else going on. And he looks just as someone, that's why I say no judgment, as someone who has gone out and partied and seen other people who are partying all at different levels. Conor McGregor constantly looks to be at level 10. And yeah, I do not mean that in a critical way. I am uh, jealous. I'm jealous. I would love, I'd love to hang out with Conor McGregor. It would be fucking fun. It looks like he would chat your air off. But I'd love it. I'd soak it all in. Uh, but it's not about Conor McGregor. Justin Gaethje. BMF knockout. That's the knockout of the year. Submission of the year has to be Alexa Grasso. And it was uh, her submission over Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, who, in a similar way to Amanda Nunes, Valentina had ruled her respective division. Women's flyweight, uh, the one constant of the division was that Valentina was at the top. She had the championship belt. But as Alexa Grasso continued to rack up wins, as prospects like Manon Fior, Erin Blanchfield began to surface, I mean, flyweight division was really heating up. A lot of potential challenges for Valentina. Uh, but first, before she would look to some of these other emerging challenges, it was time for Alexa Grasso to get her shot. Uh, now, she went in as a massive underdog in this fight, despite all she'd done was win in the women's flyweight division. Uh, but Valentina, such was the respect for her skill set and her dominance in the division, heavy favorite. Alexa comes out. Uh, there were a few interesting moments in the fight, like when the ref stood it up and Valentina uh, was on top. But Grasso ends up getting the neck crank submission. Valentina taps out. I think that was a beautiful combination uh, of high stakes and just an amazing finish. And to do that over Valentina Shevchenko, uh, what made that even more epic, that was the John Jones Serial Garn card, uh, where they had purposely, or purposefully, sorry, built that card, especially the main card. Like they had Shavkat on there, uh, which I was looking at that as like, there are going to be heaps of people watch this pay-per-view for John Jones who wouldn't watch every pay-per-view and they just tune in for, you know, the John Jones, the McGregor's, things like that. So they put like guys like Shavkat, Jeff Neal on there. It was a massive card, lots of spotlight. And right before the main event where John Jones would go on to steamroll Cyril Garn, I uh, submitted him with a submission that also uh, was nominated for submission of the air. It's a huge finish to the card. Uh, but right before that huge 
Spotlight John Jones fight. Alexa Grasso, with all the eyes on her in the world, submits Valentina Shevchenko. So that submission of the year. Uh, and Alexa, still champion. I've seen uh, that they've booked Manon Fior and Aaron Blanchfield, which I like a lot. I'm wondering, does that mean Alexa Grasso, Valentina 3? We will have to wait and see. Upset of the year. It took place in Sydney, Australia. Sean Strickland takes the championship from Israel Adesanya. So many people saying Adesanya was going to knock him out. I'll put my hand up. I said it as well. Uh, But Strickland, we all know he's an amazing fighter, but what he did in that fight, just incredible. And I know, like, Izzy looked very flat, but there has to be an element where it was Sean Strickland making him look flat. And that's where I go back to what I said about where Izzy can kind of struggle against a good game plan, like when he was up against MMA Lab. In this fight... I think the game plan combined with Sean Strickland just, you know, bringing the absolute best version possible of himself to that fight, I think they just mixed very nicely. And that, along with whatever else is happening with Izzy that we just don't know, like we, we don't know his personal life, uh, well, it made Izzy look flat. You'd have to say that's the worst performance of a Destiny's career. Strickland takes the title fight, or title belt rather, first pay-per-view of next year, Drikas Duplessis, and we've already seen them fighting in the crowd. So Sean Strickland, upset of the year, takes the middleweight title from Adesanya. Uh, Strickland, runner-up for the fighter of the year uh, in the Not Just a Sports Report poll, so he had a phenomenal year. Main evented the last card, uh, of 2022, main evented the first card of 2023, beats Nasadin Amavov, uh, then he takes on Arbus Magomedov, who we'd only seen him for 17 seconds in the UFC, where he knocked out Dustin Stoltzfus. Sean Strickland, being the guy that he is, takes a fight against this unranked proposition, who he believed was a bit of a journeyman, not as hyped. Uh, as he probably, or more hyped, sorry, than he probably deserved. Strickland takes the Magomedov fight, and in this day and age where we see so many fighters say, I want to fight someone ranked ahead of me, or I want this, I want that, Sean Strickland goes, Abbas Magomedov? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll fight him. Like, he has everything to gain by knocking me out, taking my ranking, taking my superstar status. Strickland takes the fight, finishes Magomedov in the second round, then goes on to win the belt. So all around, incredible year. Uh, Like I said, he trains at Extreme Couture, gym of the year, with coach Eric Nixick, coach of the year, upset of the year, and undoubtedly one of the fighters of the year, Sean Strickland. But now it's time for fight of the year. And it ended in a tie. Uh, Now we had a final three. The one that just missed out also ended in a tie. Uh, Sadikov-Borshev. But 
neck and neck on exactly the same percentages. We have Islam up against Volkanovsky in Perth and Brandon Moreno up against Alexandre Pantoja for the third time in their rivalry. Here's what we're going to do for the tiebreaker. I didn't vote, so I'm going to be the tiebreaker. Uh, like I said, this is a very unofficial thing. It's not even an award, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the tiebreaker for this one. And the best way to do that is to watch both fights. Uh, so I'm not going to record while I watch both. What I'm going to do, some quick thoughts on the before now. Then I'm going to watch both fights. Then... I'll decide, I guess, because, yeah, the voters couldn't decide. The voters couldn't decide, and it was a 16 all the way down to a final four, or a final three, sorry, final three, uh, and they just couldn't be split. So I'm going to watch it. I'm going to put my bias aside, because obviously, massive Alexander Volkanovsky fight, our fan, fucking hell, um, um, saying a lot of arms. The Volkanovsky one, I must note, with Pantoja Moreno 3, I watched that in real time. I've gone back and watched the tape on that as well. With Volkanovsky Makashev, the card was in Australia. I didn't get tickets. I was like, I'm going to go to New Zealand and watch it with some of my day one friends at the pub. Seemed like a great idea. What was not a great idea was for us to get to the pub early for the prelims and start drinking heaps uh, because yeah just quickly it's not about me but yeah the Volkanovsky fight was an interesting one because we're at the pub and then right after the co-main event interim fly, uh, featherweight title fight I, I, if it's not your thing whatever this is just for context of the story if I'm going to tell it I'm going to tell the full story I'd rolled a main event doobie and I'd given it to one of the guys and he was MIA and I'm like, oh, fucking, of course he is. And I was like, I need to secure this main event joint before the main event starts. So I'm looking for him. Apparently he's out in the car park. I find him in the car park with one of the other guys in a car uh, with a guy I haven't met, but they knew and they had drinks in there and they're drinking. So I was like, all right, I'm going to smoke the main event joint in here might actually help myself to one of these drinks. I get myself going, it's main event time. We go to get in and the security is like, you guys have just sat in that car drinking for like half an hour. I'm not letting you back in. And I was like, this is devastating. This wasn't really my fault. I didn't want to be out in this car. And now we've been kicked out right before Volkanovsky faces Markashev and I was just fucking blind. I was blind drunk. So, like, it's, it can be fun, but sometimes with the fights, I want to just really dial in and be able to pay attention. Uh, and then so we're all leaving, blah, blah, blah. Cops end up pulling us over. I think we had one extra in the car sitting kind of in the boot area. Cops like, something has to be done. One of you has to come with us. Um, and we'll give you a lift home. So pretty pussy shit, not in any trouble. Um, the cop was Colby Covington. No, but 
Then I was like, all right, I want to go in the car with my mate who's going in the cop car so we can watch this fight. So I had to pull it up on my phone. By the time we pull it up, it's fifth round. Volkanovsky is looking amazing. And I'm like, holy fuck, what has happened? I'm just in a daze of confusion. Is Volkanovsky about to get his hand raised? He's still here. It is the fifth round. He's looking great. Uh, but I also saw, because we didn't have volume on the phone, uh, that the betting favorite, the betting line, was favoring Makashev. Islam wins. But yeah, that truly was the one that got away. Because if I had it my way, I would have been sitting at the pub or literally at home in the comfort of the couch with full volume watching that take place live. So I robbed that from myself. So I've never truly, I've gone back and watched the tape, but sometimes I'll be on my phone, I'll be potting around. I've never truly sat down and actually just watched this fight, would you believe, uh, for the story I just told. So I'm going to watch both now. Two different perspectives. Like I said, I saw Moreno Pantoja happen in real time. But we have to decide to fight of the year. The voters couldn't. I'm going to watch both. Those are your pre-thoughts. Uh, I'm going to watch both right now. And in a moment, I will come back with your not just a sports report, fight of the year. All right. That took over an hour. Uh, but two world-class fights. I cannot complain. Uh, now, I made a little scoring system. just And I watched every part of the fight. Full attention. Uh, I won't go through the scoring system because today's theme, I'll just be fucking confusing. And it'll waste time. Uh, but essentially, you know, damage, the action, the crowd atmosphere, things like that. Now, point system... Volkanovsky up against Markashev in Perth in the end finished with 93 points in my completely fabricated point system. So 93 points. Pantoja up against Moreno, 103 points. So I've just watched, I've just finished watching both fights. Not just a sports report, fight of the year. Brandon Moreno up against Alexandre Pantoja for the flyweight championship. 25 minutes of high-paced action. There was plenty of damage throughout the fight. Both guys cut open. Uh, a lot of action. Both guys having their moments on the feet uh, in the first round. Pantoja dropping Moreno, looking like he could finish him. My throat is about to give way. Uh, significant strikes. Both guys had over 100. Uh, they had a few minutes on the ground each in control. Pantoja with more, four minutes. Uh, he also had that knockdown in the first round. Uh, and this fight, extremely close for the entirety of the contest. So a lot of action, plenty of damage, and it went right down until the end, where Pantoja finished on the back of Moreno, ended up winning the flyweight championship. Uh, so it is decided I've had to spend an hour for this tiebreaker, but the not just a sports report, Fight of the year. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend going back and watching it. Brandon Moreno up against Alexandre Pantoja. The breakout fighter category for 2023. The votes. 
Uh, they've all swung in one pretty clear direction. Breakout fighter of 2023 belongs to France. That would be the god of war himself, Benoit Saint-Denis. 3-0 for the year. I can't speak English still. Uh, an extremely impressive finish. In fact, all three were finishes. The head kick over Matt Frivola, the finish of Ismail Bonfim, the finish of Thiago Moises. Benoit Saint-Denis comes into the year as an unranked prospect, finishes the year ranked 12th, knocking on the door of the lightweight division's top 10. If that is not a breakout fighter, I do not know what is. Uh, and in 2024, expect some major showcase fights for Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, very excited to see who they have uh, for him up next. So Benoit Saint-Denis, as voted on by all of you, he is the breakout fighter. Uh, and if the UFC is to return to Paris next year, uh, if Cyril Garn isn't the headline option, which he has been both times so far, well, could be a five-rounder coming up for Benoit Saint-Denis. But I think we'll see him before the UFC returns to Paris, uh, probably against a top 10 opponent. If not, they're going to put a banger together. So breakout fighter of the year, very well deserved, Benoit, God of War, Saint-Denis. Most hyped fight, 2023. Uh, there were plenty of them, but the vote, the vote? Holy shit, this might be my worst podcast ever, other than my first couple. Uh, I apologize, I'm trying to get my points across. The vote, the vote for this next one. Most hyped fight goes to Alex Pereira, Israel Adesanya 2 slash 4 if you include their kickboxing rivalry. I spoke a bit about this one earlier, but just the whole narrative of Israel Adesanya undefeated as a middleweight, he was absolutely the standard, carving out a legacy to rival Anderson Silva as the greatest middleweight of all time. Alex Pereira, did he have his number? Well, that was the question. And stylistically, kickboxing, stand-up, that was the primary strength of both men. So the matchmaking was incredible. The storyline was there. Uh, in all the fights, you know, there was something to offer. And in this fight in particular, Izzy getting the win. But the lead up beforehand with Israel having never defeated Pereira, this time Poetan, the champion, defending his belt. Uh, just an incredible chapter in their rivalry. And I do wonder, will we see them revisit it? perhaps at light heavyweight. On to the talking point of 2023. Uh, this one relating to boxing, uh, but also very relevant to mixed martial arts. We cast the polls out. The votes are there. They are here. The results. So, Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury. That was the talking point of the year. Uh, a lot of doubters, a lot of haters of Francis Ngannou. I never understood that. I thought he was very reasonable in what he was asking for from the UFC, trying to make a positive change. Uh, then decides to go out, invest in himself, really back himself when it seemed like nobody else did. Uh, Dana White certainly 
did not. And I am a bit upset that we were robbed of a potential John Jones Nganu fight or even Nganu Tom Aspinall. But I digress. The talking point of the year Francis Nganu bets on himself and he wins. He bets it all, goes all in, comes out maybe not with the win on the official history book scorecards, uh, but a massive win in general. He gets the huge payday he was after, the Saudi Arabia feature. Uh, in talks now to fight some of the best heavyweights in the world, dropped Tyson Fury. Uh, but that wasn't the talking point, just that he dropped Tyson Fury. It was everything from being the heavyweight champion, the disputes with the UFC, and uh, seemingly, most notably, Dana White. Uh, then Dana talking shit, we don't do gimmick fights, things like that. Ngannou, who's he going to face first up? Also signs with the PFL. Is it going to be MMA? Is it going to be boxing? It is Tyson Fury. And records are on the line. This isn't some exhibition bout. And boxing, a sport that so badly needs a kick up the fucking ass. At mixed martial arts, UFC shits all over boxing right now. Boxing at its best, Canelo and some of these other guys and girls, is incredible. It's a beautiful art, but the way boxing has been run for the longest time is just a shit show. So what a breath air for the UFC heavyweight champion. Never lost the belt, remember that. Uh, takes on Tyson Fury. First opponent. So many people, again, doubting Tyson Fury, especially coming from the boxing world. A lot of people against Ngannou in this one uh, for jumping the queue straight to Tyson Fury. It takes place in Saudi Arabia. We see some performances. Tell you what, Riyadh season looks all right. I might have to pop over there if I wasn't so poor. They seem quite rich too. It's not, a, I guess that's a generalization, but if anyone from Saudi's listening and you want to fly me over for a boxing event at Riyadh season, please, please. Uh, but yeah, Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury, that's the talking point of the year. Uh, Fury, his status in boxing, the Gypsy King. For Francis Ngannou to leave the UFC as the heavyweight champion, to cross over to boxing, and to have that immediate success on the grandest stage, making more money than he has ever made before, if that isn't the biggest win, I don't know what isn't. So that is the talking point. And with hindsight, well, Dana White crapped on this pursuit of Francis Ngannou uh, going to boxing. And this isn't an anti-Dana White rhetoric. This is just purely how it is and how he actually spoke about Ngannou's switch. The people have spoken. That was the talking point of the year. So everything the UFC did that got people talking, Francis Ngannou making his own moves got people talking just as much, if not more. And this is just the very beginning. We've seen Tyson Fury. Who is next? What is next? Is it boxing? Is it PFL, who have just merged with Bellator, could be looking to make a big splash with Ngannou? Big movements coming up in 2024. And Francis Ngannou, a man who a lot of people said he's going to be nobody without that UFC marketing, he goes into 2024, a bigger star 
than ever before. So that's the talking point, Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou. International card of the year. From right here in Perth, Australia. Well, not right here, I'm not fucking in Perth, but Perth, Australia, UFC 284 has been voted as the international card of the year. Taking place in Australia, the first show on these shores since COVID hit. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry to fucking bring it up, uh, but it's true. It's first return to Australia. They since had a Sydney show as well. I am pining for the return to Melbourne. Uh, but on this card, UFC 284, headlined by lightweight champion defending the strap, Islam Makashev, up against Alexander Volkanovsky, which I just watched before to determine uh, the fight of the year. Incredible atmosphere. Perth brought it from start to finish. And given that the card started in the morning, I mean, rambunctious energy by the time the main card kicked off. Uh, so this has been voted international card of the year. Let's go through it from the early prelims. Uh, Elvis Brenner beat Zubaira Tukagov by decision. Elvis Brenner, since then, uh, making some waves of his own. Not making waves, unfortunately. Shane Young, the Kiwi, uh, he lost by decision to Blake Builder. Like I mentioned, I flew to New Zealand for this. Uh, so around this point, we're just about to go to the pub. We are drinking. The Shane Young was a bit of a down note. Then Loma Luke Bunmi, second round submission over Elise Reed and Jack Farjack Jenkins in his debut for the promotion with a decision over John, John, Don, shameless Don Shaynes, uh, formerly trained under James Krause, uh, but Jack Jenkins UFC debut. Then on the preliminary card, Jamie Malarkey wins by decision over Francisco Prado, uh, a finish in the first minute. Clayton Rodriguez puts Shannon Ross out of there. Josh Kulabau submits Melsic Bagdasarian. Uh, and in the featured prelim, uh, from a case of gastro, Tyson Pedro, not his best showing, he would rebound in Sydney. Then the main card, a draw and a very entertaining one at that. Jimmy Crute up against Alonzo Menafield. They would settle their differences uh, later on in the year. And Menafield, well, he's on a roll now. Heavyweight Justin Taffer uh, with a finish in 66 seconds, a knockout over Parker Porter. Justin Taffer would keep his role going, finishing Austin Lane. And his younger brother, Junior Taffer, uh, would knock out Parker Porter in very similar fashion later in the year. Then the huge showcase, Perth's own Jack Della Maddalena with a very quick submission over Randy Brown. That was what ignited the crowd to go to the next level. Yaya Rodriguez looked amazing with his submission win to capture the interim featherweight title over Josh Emmett. And of course, the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky pushes Islam all the way, comes home strong, very, very strong effort from Volkanovsky in the fifth round, but it is Islam Markashev who would be crowned still the UFC's lightweight champion. So International Card of the Year, UFC 284. And why not, uh, on the theme of cards, go to the pay-per-view of the year? That was UFC 295. Unfortunately for this one, I was working. I was so upset as I saw the results roll through. Uh, ones that I did see a bit of, 
I did see Diego Lopez, his finish. I did see Tom Aspinall. I had to watch that heavyweight one. I was like, this will be quick. Uh, but yeah, pay-per-view of the year, as voted by everyone, UFC 295 from Madison Square Garden. The headliner would see Alex Pereira capture the light heavyweight title, so he starts the year as middleweight champion, finishes the year as light heavyweight champion. There may be some insinuations. Heavyweight. Heavyweight championship could be in the sights of Alex Pereira. Uh, so he was someone that was also in the final four for fighter of the year, beaten out by Islam Makashev. In the co-main event, no John Jones, no Stipe. Uh, so we got Sergei Pavlovich, Tom Aspinall, an absolute treat. We got this fight uh, probably a bit earlier than we were expecting. No complaints. And it was Tom Aspinall with a 69 second knockout to capture the interim belt potentially set himself up for a John Jones matchup. Jessica Andrade, she finished Mackenzie Dern. Uh, that is what made this card awesome. So many finishes. Uh, there were performance bonuses handed out the wazoo because it was so hard for the matchmakers uh, to pick. So many highlight finishes. Andrade over Dern. Uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, breakout fighter of the year. That was where he scored his first round head kick knockout of Matt Steamroller Frivola. Diego Lopez, actually another one who was nominated for Breakout Fighter of the Year. 90-second finish of Pat Sabatini, knocks him out. Uh, Team Lobos had a huge year, and Diego Lopez at featherweight, he has set himself up beautifully for the year upcoming. Uh, on the prelims, we saw Australia's Steve Ursic continue his amazing year with a decision over Alessandro Costa. Lupi Godinez, uh, she was actually in the final four for female fighter of the year. She scored a decision over Tabitha Ricci. Mateusz Rebecki, uh, he scored a first round submission over Roosevelt Roberts, who missed weight. Uh, now, with Moreno, Pantoja, Volkanovski, Markashev tying in the poll for fighter of the year, what came third? This fight on the prelims, Nazim Sadikov, the draw up against Vyacheslav Borshev, uh, then, uh, those are cancelled bouts, fucking forget about that. And who could forget the early prelims? Jared Gordon, with his best performance in years, knocks out Mark Madsen, John Castaneda wins by decision over Kang Kang Ho, Joshua Van, in action on the first card of 2024, he got a decision over Kevin Borjas, uh, and in the first fight of the night, Jamal Emmers, who did miss weight, Scored a 49 second knockout. So card of the year, 295. International card of the year, 284. Best UFC division, middleweight. And I agree. I've spoken a lot on the podcast this year about how much middleweight excites me. Uh, now, when they were trying to set up Drikus versus Izzy before the Whitaker fight with DDP, Izzy had no challenger. Strickland hadn't quite fought uh, Arbus Magomedov. He had had a win, but had also lost to Kananir. And at the time, Israel the champion, there was this moment of like, he's ready to fight, but they don't have that next matchup for him because he's already beaten so many of the top guys. Then this explosion, explosion. This isn't just top 15. This is all throughout. There are so many guys that come to mind. I can't name them all. 
uh, Caio Barallo, Adolfo Vieira, uh, Ekram Aleskarov. Now you've got Hamzat Kamayev. Kamayev? Fucking gee whiz. I am struggling today. Chemayev. Uh, there are a stack of fresh contenders. Bone Nickel. Uh, looking through the top 15, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Kelvin Gastelum, uh, who moved down to welterweight. And I think there are going to be a lot of movements in the rankings now because middleweight is stacked. Uh, Chris Curtis ranked 13th. Paul Craig we saw move down to middleweight. He's ranked 12th. Nasadine Amavov, 11th. He's got a fight coming up. Jack Hermanson ranked 10th. He's one of a few guys I have been around that top 10 for a while. And they're probably going to get matched up against guys looking to take that spot. Uh, Hamzat Chemaev, he's ranked 9th. Brandon Allen, one of the fighters of the year. What a tear he has been on. Potentially just one win away from a title shot himself. Brandon Allen, what a breath of fresh air. Uh, we saw Andre Muniz get himself back into the winner's column over the Iron Turtle. You have the 7th ranked Roman Delidze. A 6th ranked Paolo Costa, unfortunately more active on Twitter than he is in the cage. A lot of fights where he's pulled out. Yes, he's had injuries, but he's fucked Robert Whittaker around. They tried to rebook that fight. I do believe it will happen, but Paolo Costa, he's in an interesting spot. Marvin Vittori ranked fifth. Cannoneer, Robert Whittaker, Drikas Duplessis, who will be fighting the champion, Sean Strickland. And amongst all of this, the prospects, the contenders, where does Israel Adesanya fit? in the middleweight division picture. So that is what has been voted on. It won pretty clearly, and I would have to agree, because I think middleweight right now, it's not even the top 15 that excites me the most. It's what's going on outside of it. Guys like Kaio Borello, guys like Ikram Aleskarov, and over the next couple of years, we are gonna see some banging fights. You even have the pirate, the fella with the one eye, uh, his name escapes me at the moment, Magomed, is his last name or something? Sharad Magomed, Shara Magomedov, uh, potentially, but fucking hell, like he's not ranked. Even the guy he beat, Bruno Silva, not ranked, but can just knock a man out cold. So I am frothing at the bit at the middleweight division right now. I'm getting amongst it. And it seems like the voters are getting amongst it as well. Looks like we're right at the end. Only a couple ones left. Uh, tough stuff, 2023. Uh, this is just for the toughest shit. Now, this was also a draw that I've had to tie break. Tom Aspinall, Justin Gaethje. Gaethje, with one of the fights of the year, a war against a warrior in Rafael Fazeev. And then, of course, the knockout of the year, as voted by you all, in the BMF title fight against Dustin Poirier. Then you have Tom Aspinall, who spent a year on the shelf after that very anticlimactic and super unfortunate injury in the main event against Curtis Blades. He comes back a year later from injury. Uh, just naturally, there are some questions. How's he gonna hold up? He comes out, puts a stop to Marcin Taibura very early, uh, which is not an easy thing to do. Then comes out against Sergei Pavlovich. And anyone who's been watching UFC in recent times knows just how devastating Sergei Pavlovich is. So for Tom Aspinall to come back from injury and now finish the year as the interim heavyweight champion, are both of these guys deserving of the Tough Stuff feature? But you know what? 
Since Gaethje got knockout of the year, uh, I'm going to go Tom Aspinall. That's my tiebreaker. I think coming back from injury, doing what he did in the heavyweight division, uh, and the fact that before his injury, in the most dangerous division where you can get put out with one shot, Tom Aspinall was getting everyone out of there so quickly. Even a guy like Alex Volkov, who is super dangerous in his own right. Uh, so Aspinall comes back from injury, answers the questions, then takes a fight uh, that no one else was really wanting to take. Stipe didn't want to fight Sergei Pavlovich. It uh, didn't seem like Cyril Gunn wanted to fight either of them. Uh, John Jones injured Tom Aspinall. He takes that fight. Uh, not a full camp either. Comes out, knocks him out. So that is my tough stuff. 2023 winner, Tommy Aspinall. Best promotion 2023 uh, by a landslide, UFC. Uh, so right now, mixed martial arts, you have PFL merging with Bellator. Uh, and I will be keeping an eye on that. I'm going to tell you in a moment some of the MMA content coming up for 2024. Starting tomorrow, in fact. Uh, but yeah, PFL Bellator, there is still a way to go. I'm going to be keeping eyes on the product, but the general population, like it's not even close right now. Then you have one championship which is popping off in Asia. Uh, they're trying to really put some shit together uh, to get going in the United States. And look, one championship, very high quality. I'll be checking them out throughout the year. And then we had KSW in Poland, but UFC by a landslide. Uh, rising Star, I mentioned her earlier. Not only did she take out the Rising Star, she ended up getting the vote as well for the female fighter of the year. Aaron Coldblooded Blanchfield. And in the votes for Best MMA Personality 2023, the very last category for the performance highlights this year, Best MMA Personality, uh, it was a top 16 that got voted down to a final four. John Anik, which I love. He is like an inspiration to me. As someone who does podcasts, you've heard how fucking poorly I word some things. John Anik, the way he just, he just adds so much life to the product in every single way. And he compliments the guys that he works alongside superbly. Uh, so I agree with this one 100%. John Anik uh, is just unmatched. Now, I know a lot of us love Joe Rogan as well for what he brings. Uh, Michael Bisping entertains me a lot. You have Laura Sanko, Daniel Cormier. Uh, there's a lot. But John Anik right now, I think as far as how much life and how much value he brings to the product, I think he stands unrivaled. And that is evidence. Evidenced is that's not a word. See, I need, I want to be more like John Anik. I really do. Congratulations to him. I'm sure he will be fucking stoked. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be stoked. Is he still in Boston? Is he in Boston? That, that's a key John Anik thing for me. John Anik bleeds Boston. And yeah, I fucking love his work. I absolutely love his work. And it seems everyone else agrees. So John Anik, best MMA personality. And that is it. Performance highlights for 2023. Before I finish, given that tomorrow is 2024, I've made, I guess you could call, some New Year's resolutions. Uh, the one thing holding me back with the podcast, well, there's been a few, 
it's not so much the recording, it's more so some of the shit I do when I'm not recording. Uh, and just consistency. Integrity, being able to put out podcasts on time, that's going to be a big focus for me in 2024. So this was the final messy kind of fucking get through the podcast. We are going to be popping off in 2024. A lot of MMA content, uh, and I've restructured the way I'm going to present it. So now, instead of just preview and predictions, and then on the weekends, uh, thoughts and comments, I'm going to include a lot of MMA. So if PFL and Bellator are putting on a huge show, I'll be talking about that. I'll be popping off with fight announcements. Uh, UFC 300, that's one of the things we're going to be talking about. So two podcasts a week. It's going to be one leading up to the fights, uh, if there are fights on that weekend. And there is going to be a post-fight wrap podcast. Uh, So coming off the weekend, we'll be either talking about the card that happened over the weekend, or if there was no MMA, uh, that podcast will still be coming out. And then the Combat Corner, uh, that's going to be a new feature as well. We're going to have fight announcements on there. And tomorrow is the first Combat Corner. So no UFC card just yet. We've still got to wait uh, a couple of weeks, unfortunately. But Combat Corner, here is what I have in front of me in the notes. Uh, we're going to have MMA news and views. So any news that breaks between now and then, I'll be talking about State of the Division, uh, which I'll be doing throughout the year. Uh, That's looking at separate divisions throughout the UFC. We're going to start by having a look at the state of the heavyweight division. Uh, I'll also be running through the Magomed Ankalaev Johnny Walker 2 card. That'll be at the Apex first card of 2024. Uh, I've actually already done all my tape, all my notes, So I'm ready to go with the picks. We're not going to be revealing the picks on tomorrow's podcast, or I'm not. uh, But I'll go through the card, talk a bit about what I've seen already going through the tape. Uh, Now, the first two title fights of the year, we have Myra Bueno Silva. Bueno, bloody hell. I'm brainoed. Myra Bueno Silva up against Raquel Pennington for the women's bantamweight title. No Amanda Nunes now, uh, who retired on top. And Drikas Duplessis challenging Sean Strickland for the belt. Already plenty of animosity there. Uh, So looking ahead in the new year, I'll be talking about the first two championship fights of the year. I'll also be talking UFC 300. We have a couple of fights already announced, including Yuri Prohaska, Alexander Rakic, and Bo Nickel up against Cody Brundage. Uh, Will we hear about more fights? Well, tomorrow... I'm going to talk all things that we know so far on UFC 300. And finally, I saw today, Conor McGregor expected to drop some fight news on New Year's Day. And now I'd say that would be either Irish time or American time. So I don't know if that will be tomorrow and whether we'll have that news yet. Uh, But the new MMA content cycle kicks off from Combat Corner. It'll be two podcasts a week. So if we don't know the McGregor fight news by tomorrow's podcast, well, I tell you what's great news. There'll be a second podcast during the first week of 2024. Uh, So either tomorrow or later in the week, we are going to know Conor McGregor's next fight. We may not know where. I would say UFC 300, a strong possibility. Uh, But we will know who. Will it be Michael Chandler? Could it be Justin Gaethje? 
Do they revisit the Poirier fight? Is Nate Diaz in the frame? Charles Oliveira? So many fucking possibilities. Personally, I'd like to see Michael Chandler, but we'll find out during the week. Uh, So thank you very much for listening. And as I said, a lot of MMA content about to drop starting tomorrow. If you enjoyed today's pod, our best way to keep up to date with all this fresh content is either at just fucking one last fuck up for the year. (laughs) Why not leave that in? One last fuck up for the year. Let me say this slowly. At not just a sports report on Instagram. Or you can follow us on whatever streaming platform you are listening on and you'll be able to see, hear, and feel all this shit. So yeah, uh, very exciting. UFC 300 is going to pop off. UFC 299. Like the fight announcements that we already have is thrilling. So big year for MMA. Uh, We have now closed the book on 2023. I thought I'd release this on the final day, the final hours of the year because it's now time to look forward to a huge year of not just UFC, uh, but mixed martial arts as a whole. It is going to be going off its bloody chops at Not Just a Sports Report. So get amongst it. I know I certainly will. Enjoy your fucking New Year's, and I'll see you next year.